Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I do need to say again, just as a way of, of when we're making challenges and we're saying, come on, come on, come on. Listen, some of you all have been manipulated, dominated, and controlled. That's not the point. We don't want to do that to you. You get to choose. What I want to say is, we want to give you every opportunity to step into what God's doing, but also, we're not saying that's something you have to do. Please hear that. You get an option. But one of the reasons we come together is sometimes, anybody here, men, you did stupid stuff as a young man because there were other men around you? Never. Never. Okay, good. (laughs) Three of us, right? There's something about being in a crowd of people who don't have my dysfunction that empower me to do things I wouldn't do normally. That's part of why we come together, is to get out of ourselves. And so, uh, again, I I don't want you to feel manipulated, dominated, but at the same time, we want to give you every opportunity to respond to whatever God's doing. So, whew, all right. I will say that thing about dance, man. I was not a dancer as a kid, and then I came to know Jesus, and there was just energy inside of me that had to get out. So I would close the blinds, I'd crank up the music, and I would make horrible movements. <laughs> if anybody had seen me, I probably would have died. A thousand deaths. But there was something that got released. A lot of it is it got me stopped thinking about myself. It got me out of myself. And there really is something about that. As we move, God can then begin to move us. That's just a free advertisement. All right. Oh, my goodness. So we've been doing this whole series about stepping into the promise, contending for the promise, and it's actually been something I've been kind of obsessed with for my whole life in Christ. It's how do you steward the promise God gives you to fulfillment? Anybody interested in that? Because who here has been sitting on some promises and they are like, at this point, they're like dinosaur eggs. You're not convinced they're ever going to hatch. You know, you're like, I don't know. I think it's a fossil, right? You know, and we all, we all had dreams where you're like, that is just so bizarre. That's so out there. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And there's other ones where we're like, I see a way to make it happen. And how did that work out for you? Right? You tried to make it happen in your own strength. Hagar Ishmael. And, uh, and bad things, right? And so I've been obsessed with this because... Somewhere between those two ditches of making it happen and being passive is where the, the promise comes to fulfillment. And who here wants more than what you have? Who here wants what God is promising? So, so that's why I love going through this book, the Bible, going, watching people. And one another thing that I'm really kind of, it's a big deal for me is, who here grew up in church? Wave a hand. If maybe you grow up in a church like I did, where all the people in the Bible looked really nice. You know, like flannel graph style. Like, like they look like everything in the Bible, that's the way you do it. Anybody know there's some things in the Bible you shouldn't do that people did? Like, you know, like I, I love one of the great things, that, you know, is, is why, why can't you have a bunch of wives? Listen, even Islam got this one. Muhammad said, you can live with as many wives as you can live with at at peace. (laughs) Point five? I don't know. 
what is it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like no genius there, right? Like, like the thing is, is that there are, there's tons of things in the Bible that are not good ideas. And so I, I realized last week, uh, for some of you all, the way I displayed, I showed you the Esther story was, might've been offensive because maybe you've been told that, well, that's the way you do it. But anybody here seen abuse done in the church? And you weren't allowed to question it because it was the man of God of power? Guys, we've got to be a place where they're, they're generally, when things go bad, we generally have one of two reactions. One is, I don't see anything. Or, what's the other one? Run away! Right? No? Nobody? Right? Or, well, another option is nuclear. Right? You know, not, you know so I'll give you three options, right? And, and the thing is, though, is every single one of us are, I read the Bi- people in the, character, the characters in the Bible, I get encouraged. You know why? Because God uses imperfect people. Anybody excited about that? I qualify. Anybody here feel like you're disqualified because you haven't followed God perfectly? Anybody ever struggle with that? Three of us? Okay, we'll have a group later. No, there's a lie that if you don't follow him perfectly, you dis- you're disqualified. The entire book is about people who followed him imperfectly, then he still blessed them and loved them. Please, you've got to get this understanding because if you know that, then you'll be courageous enough to bring him your mess. It's not he takes imperfect people and goes, ah, whatever. No, he challenges their mess. He... And so I want to challenge us. Let's be those people. Let's be those people who allow God and each other to challenge our mess. Not shoot each other, but challenge her. Okay, all right. So David, that's why I love David. David is, anybody figured out David's not perfect in the Bible, King David? You have not read the Bible if you think he was great, perfect all the time, right? And so we're going to go um, to a place. If, if you've got Bibles, go to 1 Samuel 30. That's where we're going. Uh, we did a series about five years ago. It took me nine weeks to get to chapter 30. We're going to get there right away. So, so we, we don't have nine weeks to get there. But I'm just going to give us an overview of David's life to get us to uh, chapter 30. All right? You guys know the story of David. There's a King Saul. King Saul has screwed up a lot over and over and over again, made the kingdom about himself. He's, he's narcissistic. He's He's, uh, you know, paranoid. I mean, it's just a mess. And in the middle of it, God says to, to the prophet Samuel, I want you to go anoint a king. And he sends him out to a guy by the name of Jesse. Jesse pulls out his sons. He lines them up and, and, and it's duck, 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 no goose. There's nobody, all the good looking ones. It's not one of them. He said, what about, where's, where, where, do you got any more sons? <laughs> like, I, I know I'm in the right place, but God says none of these. None of the good-looking ones. You got any ugly ones? Well, we got this guy who's out with the sheep. And we said this before, but you didn't get left watching the sheep unless either A, they wanted to get rid of you, B, they didn't think much of you. Because following sheep didn't take a whole lot of effort. Anybody been the youngest and dis- totally discounted? And the reality is, there's some, some theories that he may have been born out of wedlock. Who knows? And so Jesse was ashamed of him. That's why he didn't invite him to the dinner. Whatever. So here he is. They call him in. He gets anointed king. And, what, and where do they send him? 
back to the sheep. You would think that would get you a promotion at home. Anybody here, you experienced some favor at home and it gave you the exact opposite reaction? Are brothers and sisters kind and loving and gracious to you when you're doing awesome? In the kidneys, right? Anyway, so then the next scene we have is he is, so he's apparently out in the fields, nothing to do, and he takes up, you know, he, he gets, a, you know, 12 easy steps to becoming a harpist on YouTube uh, channel, and, and he starts making some things and putting them out over the internet, and uh, some of his harp solos kind of make, make the rounds, and when Saul is really struggling with this demonic oppression, they go, dude, these guys, he's freaking us out. We need something to chill this man. They say music soothes the savage beast. Anybody know a harpist? Yeah, I saw this guy on the YouTube. Okay, so they bring David in, and David's like strumming. And, uh, and he quiets the man. I mean, how would you like that for your first job? This guy's like trying to kill people. Could you just get in there and cool him down? Tough crowd tonight. <laughs> right? Like, like anyway, but he, he rises to the challenge. What if God brings you into every impossible situation because it's something only he and you can deal with? Nothing in David's repertoire prepared him to play for a psychotic man. And yet he did. Anyway, so then he goes, he keeps, but, but you would think that would be the, I'm amazing, I'm awesome. No, he gets sent, he keeps getting sent back to the sheep. You're like, dude, have you not seen it? I just played the Apollo. I'm amazing. I'm incredible. Go watch the sheep. <laughs> like Jesus said, no prophet has honor at home, <laughs> right? And he sits there and he goes and he, uh, um, and then the Philistines invade. By the way, if it was spring, I'm sorry, if it was harvest time, the Philistines invaded. They viewed uh, Israel at this time as their um, pantry. They just would. They just wait till the the Israelites had had like harvested the grain and then they rode in and took it. And so they were in, they were invading. And this time they they can't even be bothered to fight the Israelites. This is how bad it is. They're like, we can't even be bothered. Let's just send out Goliath, our biggest guy. You guys can take him. We'll leave if not. Right. And everybody's afraid of Goliath. And David, David's like wanting to go to the front. He goes to the front, takes the food to his brothers. And his brothers are like, you, you, you. And then he hears about Goliath, right? And what does he do? He hears that there is a bounty on Goliath, right? You get what? You get, uh, you get the favor of the king. You get no taxes for your family. You get uh, wealth. You get position. You get, and you get the king's daughter. I don't know if she had a voice in this, but anyway. Um, and uh, Mike's like, what? When did I get added to the list? Anyway, and he goes, he goes, okay, okay, it's worth it. It's worth it. And so he goes out and he fights Goliath, right? You guys remember? They tried to give him the tools of somebody else, the king's armor, and it was too big. What did he use? He used what God had been training him in. What did he use to, to quiet the king? What God had been training him in. The heart. What did he use to deal with Goliath? What God had been training him in the the the, uh, uh, the sling and air, uh, arrow, sling and, uh, and and rock, there stone, that thing. And uh, and he said, "I've already taken out the lion and the bear on my own when nobody was watching." Listen, if you don't have private victories, you'll never have public victories. Say love. Anyway, and so he kills Goliath with his own sword. Super, like not 
good for Sunday school. I, I mean, just ugly, messy situation. They, yoo-hoo! Saul, Saul has to come through on the deal. He wasn't planning to come through. But David doesn't take the king's daughter. Smart guy. He just goes, but, he, but Saul, to deal with him, because everybody's praising him, gives him a position. Verse 18, verse 5, it says, whatever mission Saul sent him on, because he sent him over a bunch of veteran men, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. David is probably 17, 18 years old. Can you imagine veterans, 18, you know, 30, 35, 40, 45, who've been soldiers their whole life? And David comes in and is leading them. Guys, how well does that work? Guys, right? And in fact, it's worse than that because these veterans have been serving with Saul, and you know what their record is? Oh, and 500. They are losers. They're like professional losers. Like their one play is retreat. Like we retreat well. We are very good retreaters. The go, the, yeah, we do retreats. We do retreats. We're very good at it. No, um, run away. No, and I mean, literally, the guys who are left are the guys who retreated well. The brave ones are dead, right? So he's leading a bunch of cowards. Guys, let's go do it. Shh, good luck right? But he does it. He's leading men who don't want him. But God, how dare you set me up to fail? What if God didn't set you up to fail? He set you up to succeed, but in a way that only he can do through you. Moving on. So David, David does this and it gets, he does better and better and better. And Saul likes him more and more and more because whenever you're doing well, everybody loves you. (laughs) None of that made sense. What I just said. No, right? If you start doing well, you incite jealousy, right? But guess what? So Saul wants to kill him. And in fact, tries to kill him, tries to pin him to a wall. Awesome. Anybody here, you do exactly what God tells you and it turns out poorly. What, do you, what are your decisions at that point? What, what, what are your options? Never again. Never again. What else? Huh? Pity yourself. Pity yourself. <laughs> yeah? What else? Go do it somewhere else? What? We'll try it again. We'll try it again. Come on, come on. But Bob and Weave better, right? Oh, okay. Anybody here go on the attack? How about a little assassination? The guy tried to kill me. Kill or be killed? Nobody? Blink. Okay, I see the assassins. They're very subtle. It's like ninja. They're like, don't let up on my mind. Okay, all right, so the, the thing is, is at that point, but what does David do? He stays, he stays, and finally he's like, dude, the guy's going to kill me. At which point were you going to figure that out, David, right? He manages his heart. Here's how I know he manages his heart. We see over and over again, not only does he have an opportunity to kill Saul, but when anybody badmouths Saul, he shuts him down. What is wrong with you, David? Anyway. So we get this thing, you know, he's on the run. We go to this thing, uh, you know, he tries, David, Saul tries to kill me. Finally, he flees to Nioth and Ramah. Uh, and he deal, does this deal with Jonathan. And Jonathan goes, let me see if he's really going to kill you. Yep, he tried to kill you. And he's like, okay, he flees to Nob. From Nob, he flees again um, to Mabadabu. I can't keep all these straight. Where? Uh, nob, Nob, Nob. 
There's my map. Oh, thankfully. Uh, doesn't that, anybody that look like your, uh, your, um, uh, your uh, job history? I, I'm actually going to say something. Some of y'all, that, that can look, be what the promotion of the Lord looks like. Some of you all have been trained that consistency is the only way to show faithfulness. But David showed faithfulness by moving when God said move. I'm going to just put that out there. So David, what does David do? David goes, he flees to Nob. And from Nob, where does he flee? Anybody here had bad ideas? But you told, said they were from Jesus? Yeah. Nobody? Okay. You know how you can tell it was an idea, it wasn't from Jesus? Any ideas? The result, right? He flees. Where does he flee? He flees to the one city he shouldn't have fled to. Why? Where was Goliath from? Gath. Where does he flee to? Anybody, when you're afraid, do stupid things? Aren't you glad that stupidity in God isn't fatal? Aren't you glad that it's not final? But he goes, he goes, he runs there and they want to kill him. So he fakes like he's, uh, he's crazy. Which in their world meant you might be touched by the gods. Like, don't mess with him. Maybe he's like got a god on him or something. So he's like, ah, ah, ah. he's like chewing on the gatepost. And they're like, dude, he's got rabies or something. I don't know. So he flees. He flees. People are like, well, that's a God-given plan. No, God will bless our stupidity and our recovery from stupidity. Is that not good news? No? Okay. All right. So then he flees and he goes to a place called the Cave of Adullam. Why does he go to a cave? It's not complicated. What? Hiding, Hiding right? <laughs> he, he doesn't have a plan. Anybody been at a point in your life where you don't have a plan? Okay. God knows where you're at. And he hides in a cave. But guess what happens? One of my favorite verses. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, 22, uh, verse 1. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Who? Guys, what do we know about his brothers so far? Do you think David's excited? <laughs> really? Remember, he was leading thousands and mighty warriors. Now he's got, David, 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 I'm here for you. I know it's not going well, but we're going to help you. Anyway, but then listen, it gets better. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered with him. He went from leading the best of the best to leading, man, this place stinks. You guys got any running water around here? Hey, what, when do we get to eat? When do we get to eat? Does this feel like I'm moving in my destiny? Does this feel like the calling of God on my life? What if you moving in the call of God in your life is about being obedient to God rather than trying to change your circumstances? But, and it said about 400 men were with him. And from there he went to Mizpah in Moab. Where is Moab? It's another one of the kingdoms that's at war with Israel. He keeps going to the enemy. Like, what in the world? And then, while he's there, it says that he hears. What did he do for, for the Israel before? Do you guys remember? 
He was, he led the military. What does the military do? Kill. Kill for fun? Protect, Protect right? Listen to this. So he, at this point, he just is on the run. He's just on the run. And then he says, when it was said, verse 1 of 23, when David was told, look at the Philistines are fighting against Calah. Where was Calah? Right next to the cave of Adullam. <laughs> when he heard about it, and they were looting the threshing floors, because that's what they did, took the wheat, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? He was running, and he suddenly heard again the call. Maybe you're running. Maybe you've been hiding. Maybe you've been just trying to get by. Maybe you're just trying to save your life. And you're like, I guess I'll never have destiny again. Do you think David thought, yep, going to be king. But with these losers, it's a piece of cake. No, I promise you. He was just like, um, anybody here dumbed your, the promise of God down to something attainable? Like breakfast? Right? I mean, he's just... But then the call of God comes out. Listen, you know the call of God because it's what makes you hurt. It's what makes you willing to risk. It's like, oh, and here's David. He's apparently worked out a sweet deal in Moab. And it's like, oh, man, oh. Where is he going to go? 20 miles down the road from where Saul's at. He's going to go. And he goes down and he says, he goes and they deliver Caleb. Isn't that wonderful? And then after he's delivered them, he hears Saul's on his way. So he asks of God, will the people of Caleb that I just delivered, will they hand me over to Saul? What do you think the answer was? Can a guy not get a break? I'm trying to be obedient to God. Anybody here think if you're obedient to God, everything works out? No. <laughs> Some of you have lived long enough to know. All right, right? But, but for some reason, we have this slot machine mentality, don't we? But Saul, David keeps moving, and he moves on from there. He moves on from Kayla to the desert of Ziph. What do you think the desert of Ziph is? A desert. What's in a desert? Nothing. Nothing. Wow, so you've been promoted from cave to desert. We're what we, that's what we call outwardly mobile. Right? Like, you ever feel like you're not moving towards your destiny? But his heart, he's, he's, and, but he remembers. What did he come to Caleb to do to protect? So guess what he does? He sets up a business model based upon his gift and calling. It's called a protection racket. No, literally, that's what it was. It was a mob protection racket. Anybody here use your gift? No? For immoral purposes. No, no. I mean, the thing is, is he goes around and he, he keeps the, law, the, the, the robbers at bay. And then he comes around and goes, hey, I've been keeping the robbers at bay. <laughs> and he goes up to a guy. You guys remember there was a guy? He goes up to the dude and he goes, hey, man. Hey, man, you going to pay? And he goes, I'm never paying you. What happens to the guy? The guy gets a heart attack and dies. <laughs> and right at this time, Samuel dies, the prophet Samuel. Up to this point, David's made some not great decisions, but he's, all of his decisions still make some sense. This is the first time he makes a bad decision. 
Now, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah that they had at that time, there's only three verses about kings, about what it is to be a king, maybe two verses. Deuteronomy 17. And you're supposed to do three things you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to get a lot of horses and chariots. You're not supposed to get a lot of money for yourself. And you're not supposed to get multiple wives. Now, if you have been anointed king, do you think you might pay attention to those verses? Like, like literally, like I, I talked to two young men this week who both have a vision for the profession of calling on their life, and they've got it all mapped out. And I promise if there was a section about their profession in the Bible, oh, they would have it memorized and probably tattooed. Why? And so here's the three verses. You only had three things to remember. And Samuel died. And I'm out here in the wilderness because he had finally married Michael, Saul's daughter. But he left her behind after she risked her life to, for him. And what does he do? I'm out here in the wilderness and a man's got needs. There's a way that seems right to a man. This is why we need community. You need to be able to phone a friend or sometimes a friend just needs to phone you. Anybody? Oh! Okay, sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Samuel dies and he decides, I'll get me another wife. How many wives did he end up with, you ask? Eh. Eight or so. I mean, then, of course, the ten concubines. Does that sound like a multiple? <laughs> what was the downfall of David later in life? <laughs> in the words of the prophet, no woman, no cry. No. I would say one woman, no cry. One woman. <laughs> Literally. The son, then he goes and he, he marries a, a woman from Jezreel. It's her son that ends up raping Tamar. See where we're going? Whew. But isn't it amazing, for all of his stupidity, God still moved through him. Isn't that encouraging? All right. So anyway, we're moving and grooving. So they keep moving, they keep moving and grooving, and they end up now, they end up back in Gath. Now, this time, apparently, it's God's will. They're in Gath. They're working for the king of Gath. They're trying to make a little money. They're running. This time, they're playing like they're fighting for the Philistines. But every time they go out, they attack the enemies of Israel instead. And they're given a little town called Ziglag. There's up to about 600 men. They got wives and kids. So he's doing well for himself. But if you notice something about that map, Ziglag is the opposite direction from Jerusalem. It's down there on the left. You see on there? Ziglag. So it's down there on the left. It's, as anybody feel like the further you follow Jesus, the further you go from your destiny? What if that's not what's happening? What if God is bringing you to the back door to the throne room? So here he is in Ziglag, and, uh, and he goes, and they're, they're about to attack Israel. And now he has a problem, right? Because up to this point, he's not attacking Israel. But he goes, and he goes, uh, we got to keep up the front. Maybe, maybe we'll flip sides in the middle. I don't know. And they go up there, and the Philistines are like, dude, he cannot fight with us. He will attack us. And so they send him back. And while they're gone, what happens? Their village is raided. All their wives, which apparently are multiples, and children and stuff is all taken. Everything that they've been gathering for the last however many years, 10 years or so, they lose it all. 
Anybody been in that spot where you lose it all? In that moment, when you lose it all, what are you tempted to believe? I'm a failure, abandoned? God left me, doesn't love me. It's all over. Where's my cave? Right? No, anybody? Anybody just want to turn turtle and hide? Nobody? Okay. In this moment, right? But it gets worse. Do you guys remember those discontented, disgruntled, distressed? Well, they decided to diss him, right? What do they say? Let's go to there, verse, chapter 30. Verse 1, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. Negev was the, the wilderness to the south. Ziklag, by the way, was not great, great eating. It wasn't a great area. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. And they killed, not, they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Now, they didn't know that, I assume. When, they, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Is this a good day? I have a question. Have you had a day like this? Where literally all that David's left with is the clothes on his back. Everybody he loves is gone. They don't know that they're taken captive. They might be dead. Right? What, what is in this, this thing? But it's about to get worse. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. What happens when you weep? What happens to you? Huh? Tears? Tears? Fatigue? Fatigue? Depressed? Depressed? Despair? Paralyzed? Frozen? Nothing. I can't do anything except weep. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam and, and Abigail. David was greatly distressed. Because the men were talking of stoning him. What? This is horrible. If we, why do you think the men wanted to stone David? To end their suffering. He's the leader? It wasn't going very good? Who brought them to Ziklag? Whose idea was it to go follow the Philistines? Is David to blame? On some level. On some level. They were of Stonium. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David did what? Found strength, encouraged himself, strengthened himself in the Lord. This right here is the essential moment in your story and my story. What do we do when all of our obedience, imperfect as it is, has brought us to a place like this? What do we do? Now, if I were David, not, what do you think David was thinking at this point? Any thoughts? Give me some feedback. Huh? Uh, uh, let's see. I'm a failure. 
Okay, what else? Ooh, lost the blessing of God. Yeah, I, to jump on that, I would say probably start going, what did I do wrong, right? Start tallying my failures. What else? Run. Uh, run. Okay, let's put that under action plan. Run. Okay, what else? What, give me some other things he might be feeling. Or... I am an idiot. I like that. I've never said that several times. At, well, angry, angry with God. Okay, uh, let's let's get serious. Who are we angry? I heard angry at God. Who else? Self. Who else? Saul. Oh, come on, come on. It all. Listen, none. I wouldn't even be in this mess, right? Saul, uh, and then the men. And then the and the Amalekites. I don't know about you, but at this point, I don't even care about the Amalekites. Anybody been in that place? The Amalekites did it, but I'm I'm, I'm so can't see them. Oh, mad at Samuel. Let's yeah, let's throw Samuel. He started this whole mess. How, you had to give me a destiny. I was just fine being a shepherd. Didn't have no dreams, right? Um, now here's the problem. You and I have a calling and a destiny on our lives. There is no such thing as a calling or a destiny that you can walk in by yourself. God purposely calls us to destiny that requires not just the presence, but the participation of other people. And that's a problem. Anybody know what the problem is about having other people in your destiny? Wow, you guys knew what the... I want to know, because you all knew. Okay, uh, we'll just take turns. What? 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 They're, they're selfish. What's wrong with them? What else? Unreliable. Unreliable. That is like the human condition. What else? Judgmental. What else? Roosters in the head. Wow. Yes. Come on. Come on. Keep it coming. They have to share the vision. What? What? Pride. Yeah. They have great ideas. They have great ideas. I'm going to say there are some quotation marks floating next to those great ideas. What else? They, in, they, they are not bobbleheads. They are people who also have destiny. And their destiny actually speaks into your destiny. That's awkward. What else? Unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah, I promise you. Now, the funny thing is, it says that over time, David's group of men grew each time. I promise you, every time he moved, he lost people. Anybody found that? Like even your friend group, every time you move in life, you lose people, right? But he keeps growing. But here, even so, do you think some of the guys were there for, the, for payday? Yeah. They, they might not even believe in God, right? So here we go. They are, so they're angry, but here's the problem. David's in a pickle. How is he going to get out of this pickle? And by pickle, I mean he has nothing. He is over. He is dead. Anybody been in that place where you have no options? And when you're in that place of no options, anybody know what it, like your brain just keeps going blank. Like, like it's like, it's like a starter. Have you ever had a starter that was burned out? So it, it just like you go, but nothing happens. Like that's your brain. When you're, when you have lost all options, your brain just goes, 
And you're like, ah! In this moment, this is the only option. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. How did he do it? This is why I'm so grateful. We were talking with the youth this week. One of the best things you can do is read David's Psalms. Because not only do we, we actually have more chapters by or about David than we do about that were written by, about the life of Jesus. Isn't that good news? We have all this data on his life, on his interior life. And one of the things he does over and over again, anybody found some of his psalms that start out this way? You know what I'm talking about? Everybody hates me. Everybody's against me. Everybody's betrayed me. That's like, like the beginning, just like hit in, insert, right? And then somewhere in the middle, he goes, and then sometimes he throws God under the bus. Anybody thrown God under the bus? Right? You know, he's like, and you, you won't even pick up the phone when I call God. You're blocking my phone calls. You never text me back. Right? No, you never come through. And in that moment, what does he do? There's this moment where he goes, but wait. Get up my soul. Right? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hey, hey, soul. Look at me. Eyes up here. Bless the Lord. And do what? Don't forget his benefits, what he already did. Anybody here, when you're in a bad place, you can't remember that God ever did nothing? I've been in some places and God's like, I need you to start being thankful. And I'm like, thankful for what? <laughs> nothing. I can list all the ways you failed me. How about that? Let's start back. And he's like, and I've had a couple points where literally I couldn't, he was like, thank me. And I'm like, for what? He goes, and I'm like, thank you for my breath. That's pretty pathetic. I'm sorry. That is low hanging fruit. I literally have started at that point. Thank you that I breathe. I'm not sure if I like that actually. Right? No, I mean, I've been there. And then I, and I work my way up, work my way. And suddenly the, the, the fog begins to lift. And I remember everything he's done because in his acts, we discern his nature. And I discover he's a God of breakthrough and he's a God who wants to come through. And in that moment, David goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's my calling? To be a protector and deliverer. Remember what we did at Caleb, boys? Yeah. Boo. Right? Guys. What do we do? We are. What are we men? We are. Come on, come on, come on. Give me an A, right? You know, like, come on, guys. You're like, remember, we're called to protect. Who are we? Who should we protect other than our wives and our kids? Who's with me? And suddenly the men who want, listen, don't you think he might want to start by yelling at the men? Seriously, I did all this for you. No. Guys, let me call you back to destiny. Meet me here. I know right now you think I'm disqualified to lead you. I know. Listen, with the people in our lives, we are either ignoring their disqualifications or we're using their disqualifications to build a case for rejecting them. But God wants us to be able to pray for their disqualifications. That's a side note. Anyway, and he sits there and he goes, he goes come with me. And he goes... And they, what do they do? They go out and they overtake the enemy and they recover all. Not just all, but they recover all from everything else they stole. They end up better. In one day, they end up better than the, when they started the morning. They overtake. They, 
But not only that, at the end of it, he goes, send some of that money over to Judah. And the next thing we hear is Judah says, will you come and be king? He goes from being the worst day where he's lost everything and in the very next phrase, come be our king. Because if we have to build the path to the throne room, it will be, it won't work. But when we will strengthen ourselves in the Lord and strengthen our relationships with others and not try to go it alone, it is the orneriness of God that he wants most of our healing to happen in community. That's just ornery. Who here wants to get healed by yourself? Nobody sees. Me. But, but who wants to? We, we talk about this in men. Man, we're like, we're like no, all of us love to bring out victories. Who likes to bring a, I like to give a testimony. But who wants to go, I got a battle. Somebody want to join me in my battle? But it's only if you invite them to your battle can they join you in the victory. Only the men who followed David into the wilderness got to come with him into the kingdom. And David's mighty men, there were hundreds, but do you know what? There were only about 30 or 40 they called his mighty men. And when he, was eight, when he was dying and dead, it was his mighty men in their 80s who rolled up to back Solomon for the throne. And when they did, everybody fell out because they were afraid of these men. Because they were men who had, that had started out as pathetic losers. But because they walked together, they became mighty men. And they stepped into destiny together. A destiny, each of them had an individual destiny that was part of a larger destiny. And they all walked in together. Amen. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you because you're speaking to each of us. Every single one of us is somewhere in David's story. We might have a spear being thrown at us or we might have made a lot of stupid decisions or we might be on the run or, or we might be, I, I don't know. We might be facing the loss of everything that seems to deny that I ever had a vision or a destiny. But wherever we're at, or we might feel like everybody's against us, wherever we're at, God, you're not done with us. You have a calling and a grace for us. You have a body. You have a band of people to do life with. Lord, imperfect people who you will stand with us and fight alongside of us. Oh, God, let us be courageous enough to strengthen ourselves in you, to remember what you've done, to believe for the life you've called us together. In your beautiful name. We could have the worship team come up. I feel like many of us, even in worship before, we got a taste of what it means to war with other people. Many of us, we've said, I, we've, if you get very far in life, you start building a list of disqualifications of who you're willing to do life with. And if you go very far, you end up with a list of disqualifications that guarantee he does life with you. I wanted to say, if you would be willing to give him that list of disqualifications, just saying, God, I need brothers, I need sisters who will stand with me and go after what he's called me to do. If we could stand and go into worship together.